we are uh, lawyer talk off the record on the air Friday the 13th but on the air it, it is, is Friday the 13th who's that I didn't even realize it was who's that guy? who's that guy all right we are we, so if you haven't figured it out by the deep barbecue this is Jared Ozark voice <laughs> so we're, we're here with Jared Blinsky on Friday the 13th uh, with another release of the Blinsky Chronicles. Another installment. Installment. I call it a release. Installment, installment sounds better. It's it's a lot better. Yeah. Um no, the idea here is we've been we've been talking to Jared Blinsky and I think, you know, there's a there's a great story to be told here. There's good lessons to be learned, but it's just sometimes funny stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think you give you have this awesome perspective on the world here that lets people sort of understand what it was like to be on maybe both sides of the center line, we'll call it, or both sides of the line of justice and, and why and how and where it got crossed and what you're, what you're up to now. There's sort of this yin and yang approach to it. Um, you know, we did, how many do we have in the can right now? Mm. Three, four. four. We got four. Um, we have four. Four entire episodes of lawyer talk off the record on the air that we are calling the Belinsky Chronicles. I love the name. Um, you had a nickname, right? You had something else. They, the Belinsky. I don't remember. You said it last time, and you almost wanted to change the name, but I like Chronicles. Oh, and they had Belinsky Incorporated. Oh, yeah. Belinsky. That, that, that's that what they called you. The, yeah. The, the federal marshals had right. Belinsky Incorporated. Because you're the kingpin. So they thought. <laughs> they thought he was. I was, I was the kingpin. Yeah, you I might was, as well. I was, you might as well play up that mafioso now. I mean, on the one hand, it's sort of cool to be the kingpin, right? It's like, I was the kingpin. But maybe not so cool. I don't know. It's never, it's never it's, good it to see It certainly wasn't your, so true. It's never good to see your name and picture at the top of a pyramid in a federal agent's office. No, I know. And then live to, live to talk about it later and be able to discuss it and, and sort of understand why. But, uh, you know, you left here last time. We, we spent a lot of time at these microphones on this little round table. And, and you left and you said you were – it sort of caught me. And uh, I'm going to tease it a little bit before you talk. It, it caught me what you said. You left here and you had these sort of thoughts about what it was like a decade ago because our office, while it's in a different part of the same building, it's in the same building and – you know, you're, the first time you came into this office, it wasn't to talk into microphones and do a podcast. And uh, you, you had some thoughts and, and maybe some, what should we call it, a flashback? When, when, yes, yes. When I left after we recorded, I was driving home and I was like, it just, it, it rushed back. It all came back to me about, I don't come downtown that much. And it's been a while, and I came down, and I'm driving back the same roads, going back the same way. Yeah. And I just remembered the not knowing. Whenever I used to come down here, and we would talk, and we would go through things, and I'd feel good for a minute. Then you leave, and you there was no answer. You, you did not know. And it was a very uneasy feeling. Didn't like coming downtown. Wasn't coming down here for good news. Yeah. So what we're talking about is years. I mean, we're 10, 10 years out now, yeah. roughly. Um, you were coming down here because we were representing you. Yes. And so the meetings you were coming down here for weren't to BS about food or to BS about your life or to talk about vaping or anything else. I mean, it was like the dark side. And, you know, Jeff, we represent so many people. And I, I think maybe from a lawyer's perspective, it's probably like any, maybe like it was, let's look at it from a doctor's perspective for a while. Everybody calls doctors like bedside man or whatever. It's like yeah. how many sick people have they seen in the bed? They're just like, they come in and out of your room. I've been there before. They come in and out of your room. You never even get to talk to the man or it's, the gal. It's robotic. And they're just uh, responding as they normally do. They just read off a bunch of stuff and you leave. And I think it's lost on them in a lot of ways, maybe just by repetition and routine, <clears throat> what the patient is actually going through. And I try really hard to put myself across the conference table. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's funny. We don't even have it. We have a conference table, but uh, have you noticed the one, Jared, have you noticed the one sort of constant about all the tables in my world, in my office world? They're all a circle. They're all a circle. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I don't like sides sitting across directly across with corners. I don't like that. And it's funny because I'm a, I like woodworking and I like drafting. I like that. So I love squares and angles, but I, I hate it when I'm talking to people because I find it very defining. 
I've never even thought about that before. It, it I'm glad you brought it, that it up. It keeps though. it more at ease. Yeah. It, it, it does help with that, knowing that you're not on other sides. You're not at the long table at the end. Yeah. 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 It's a, didn't you have a long table whenever we were talking? I had a, a long oval table. Oh, it's long in, it's right next door in this other it room. It was. That's right. And I built that thing rounded on the ends, right? I couldn't find the one I liked. They were all either square or they didn't work. So I just built one and it's, it's, I rounded it in the way that I like. And if you notice when I sit with people in that conference room, I always sit close to the oval end and I put the person I'm meeting with at the oval. So it's sort of like we are right now. Right. And, and I think that that gives me a little bit more connection with the person I'm talking to, not because I'm trying to trick anybody, but I just think it works better. Yeah. So back to the point, it gives us maybe a better bedside manner, but you told me something on the way back. You had those feelings like you were going home and it was just, it was like this darkness. And uh, imagine what people are thinking, Jeff, they, they come down here, they got a big federal case for something. They meet with us and I've never given it, I've never been able to give it a complete circle of thought on what they're going through when they leave. And you had that. So now you get to tell us yeah. you're on the spot on the record or off the record, but on the air. It, it, it is very overwhelming. Yeah. Whenever you do not realize what you put yourself in front of and you, you sit down and you talk once again, you, you brought up doctors. I would have to say that you can't be like, everything's going to be okay. We got you. It's good. I mean, you kind of got to be like, let me know the, 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 what, could happen the far end yeah and you you know that way it it, things are better if they work out for you and you're not anticipating it so if it goes bad you're not hurt there but the amount of time that it takes because it drags on i mean before it was all completed it was a year or well or or it was probably over a year it was over a year can you imagine so you have over a year of every day not knowing if you're going to have to go for 10 years or plus. Did it never leave you? Years. Did it never leave you or did you have like ne- sometimes? Ne- never left. Never left. Okay. Never left. There yeah. was never a, a, a sleeping moment. There's never, maybe if, if it were to leave, it leaves you for five minutes. But if it was like a core date 30 days from now, you didn't find yourself like being like, well, it's 30 days from now and find yourself doing some other things. It was always on your mind. Always on my mind. Always on your mind. Always mm-hmm. on my mind. And this is where doctors have kind of screwed it up for us a little bit, Steve, because I, I noticed this the other day because I had a, a friend that went through a horrible incident and actually passed away. But um, the doctors work on percentages. A lot of times they'll work on percentages. And we get that question a lot, don't we? Where they say, well, I mean, what's the percentage chance? Which is an impossible question for me to answer. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, so give me, you know, give me on a percentage if I go to trial. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the percentage of I'm winning? Like, I'm oh, just like, you know, my answer is always maybe a hundred percent. I like it. <laughs> but maybe a hundred percent. Maybe zero. That's it. We, we, it was the unknown, the constant unknown. Once you get to know, you will be relieved no mm-hmm. matter the consequence because it is the agony of not knowing. It is the agony of trying to put your life together before you leave. It's the agony of just, it, 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 am I going to be here at Christmas? Yes. Am I going to have, am I going to have that Thanksgiving dinner with my family? Yeah. Those kinds of things. It's those kinds of things. And I've talked to clients all, you know, it's a, it's funny because you're not, this was a different scenario too. I think we got to set this stage a little bit. There was an, and this happens more than people think there was an arrest. The fed, so to speak, the man enters a bunch of houses I mean, it doesn't have to be your case, right? It can be any case. The feds go into a bunch of places with search warrants and battering rams and all their riot gear and whatever they wear, and they take a bunch of evidence. And it might be drugs. It might be guns. It might be counterfeit money. It might be who knows, you know, anything. Name it. And then the person calls us up, and they come in, and we sit down with them, and they're like, well, what's going to happen? What's next? And I'm looking at them like, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know. You know, I know what it could be, but what do they want to hear? Well, because what's interesting in a lot of those situations is nobody's getting arrested. There's, that's what I mean. There's no They're arrest. just collecting They're all this contraband. Off. They go in and they take everything. They put everybody in handcuffs and they take everything and then they let you and go. And they go, we'll, we'll let you know. They didn't let me go. No, they didn't. I well, know. at first they said, they said, you're not under arrest. And then they got a call and they're like, no, no, he is. 
He is. Oh. And they're like, no, you are, you are under arrest. But others in your case and didn't. Didn't. Right. Now, they had a very, oh, man, I, I know people that sold cars, got rid tried to bun down. They had no idea what was going to happen. Um, some left town. They all came back, but it was, well, some of them didn't get indicted for a year and a half, two years. Man, two years before that. what started with them. I do believe that most of them got indicted once the, the first group got uh yeah, most sentenced. of it, most of it happened right about the same time, but you had to wait and people don't understand that. It's like, it's not like TV where they come in and everybody goes out in handcuffs. And then by the end of the first segment, before the first commercial, they're in court, they're in trial. And then by the end of the second commercial, there's a trial, Yeah, you know, or maybe it's a two part, right? It, it takes two, yeah. two hours, but, uh, you come in or as a client comes in after the feds have entered, they didn't get arrested. They didn't go to jail. They didn't even get put in handcuffs half the time. And uh, they're just – they're sitting here. And they're like, well, when's it all going to happen? And they do that. They do that. They arrest some. They don't – just so that somebody will start talking. So somebody will do something. When I pulled into the parking garage, I get out of I get out of my, my, my marshal's car. I look over. There's another guy. I knew him. <laughs> then I look over, and there's another guy. And we all are standing, getting out of cars. And we're not getting out of out of cruisers. No. Like they're showing up in civics and stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I'm like on the civic, I, man. Yeah, I'm, that's the know, way those law enforcement that's how they're, they're rolling, you know, in the yeah. civic. I think at least a suburban. And so we Sorry, get there, big and black it's suburban. Like, so then all of a sudden you're like, well, where's everybody else? You know, then it's just the three of us. So and we're it, like, well, where are they? Why aren't they here? Are you and, talking to them? And, and well, we got to. They told us not to talk to each other. They they have us all in the parking lot. And we're all handcuffed. Then we're walked to an elevator, and then we go up, and then we all get put in separate rooms. They pull us out, ask us a few questions. Then they put you back in a holding cell. That's when, I mean, I was with them. Now, Shorty had been with me. She's at home, so she knows. She's got the ball rolling. Yeah. You know, the first person she caught, called was Fox. You know, Feets. He puts the Feets on the streets. Feets on the streets. Street. That's what a bondsman does. Fox, yeah. Fox Bell's Feets bondsman. on the streets. Oh, he had it on his chopper on his bike. Feets. Feets on the streets. Feets. That's his nickname. He puts the feets on. Because I remember I asked him. My first man, I was like, Feets. I was like, what's with Feets? He's like, yeah, put the Feets on the streets, brother. <laughs> you know? I've never heard that. <laughs> that is freaking. That's sort of what we do, too, here. Yeah, but yeah, put oh, the we like to think so. Street. Well, that's what I was hoping. Get these Feets on the street. Yeah. And uh, then they're like. We go through, no, we're holding you. We'll bring you back here in a few days. Right. There ain't too many. Uh, let me just say, Foxton, they don't have to do much work in the federales. It's like there's, there's rarely a need for a bondsman in federal. They're either holding you or they're not holding no, you. No, and when they took us to Butler, we all rode in the same van down, and we were all in the same cell. Not cell, but cell block, which I, I thought they would separate us up. They they did not know. So when, you know, one guy was on the bottom level, so we didn't get to talk to him that much because they let you get time out, you know, whatever it is, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. And so me and me and Mikey would talk. And so we're wondering what's everybody else doing? Who else do they have? What is going on? And so then half of those guys on the outside are like, they're saying something that we're on the inside. We're like, they had to say something. Why aren't they here? Yeah. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, to, to bunch it up. They're trying to break it up to have somebody. And it's funny. They, they actually may not be trying to do that. They may be. They may not be. But everybody thinks that's what's going on, right? I mean, that's, that's a the, chess game. There, there's a, there's a game there. And, you know, but you are absolutely right. Not when people don't get arrested and taken away in handcuffs, that's calculated most of the time. Either they want, information from you they want information in a way that there won't be any record of it um in other words anybody could google you so to speak and there's no there's no arrest record because nobody got arrested right there was just a a smash bang at the house in and out yeah. and there you go so more of those parties that didn't get arrested they want to watch and see what they do when you're off the street you know they're being watched whether they know it or not and how they're reacting to it what are they doing with you just mentioned what are they doing with their cars what are they doing with cash is there other houses they didn't know about what are they doing so you, you, know you, I mean? you brought up the you brought up the a number 1 point or goal cash right as right. as, as cash. it's always cash money. It's about always the money 
about the money. Yeah. yeah. And if they didn't get the money in one house, they're going to leave. I mean, it's like they're going to follow people because they think there's a stash house where the cash is. I mean, that's yeah. that's just how it is. And I think um, it, from the client's perspective, when they come in and talk to us about that and they're looking at us like, why didn't they – you know, what's next? How come I'm not charged? Or am I going to get charged? Or maybe it, it lasts long enough where they think they're not going to get charged. And then they sort of slip back into the old, the old groove and uh, they're getting watched and now they do get charged. But on top of that worry that you just expressed, Jared, we, I mean, we even have people come in and say, I got this white car following me everywhere. You know what I mean? It's like, even though they're out, they're like, there's, they know people well, are watching them. It's so just constant you, paranoia. You want to hear, well, I can tell you this at the barbecue. A neighbor lived at the end of the road, came in, says to Shorty, hey, man, somebody's doing something. One of your neighbors is doing something. She said, what do you mean? She says, your neighbor has somebody sitting. He's like, the federales are sitting there. They've got big telescopes. they got cameras. At the neighbor's house? And he's like, they're watching somebody right around you. He told me the neighbor that was allowing him to sit into their truck. He said, they get dropped off. They sit in the truck. So next thing I know is I'm standing out in my yard and I'm looking around and I'm looking at that truck that he told me that they're sitting in. So I kind of angle and I'm like, well, the only house they could be looking at would be mine. And I was like, now that's a realization, isn't it? Yeah. But now I was told this months, months before. The raid came. I, I got tipped off. My neighbor told me that he talked to another neighbor. And you got to remember, all of our houses where I live there, everybody's got a couple acres. We're not, we're not close. Yeah, you're the, the houses, the houses aren't close to each other. So I stood there. I was like, the only house that somebody could be watching in that driveway would be mine. And you sort of know in the back of your head, there might be a reason why they'd be watching your house. Well, I was like this. What are they seeing? See me get up at five in the morning, go to the barbecue. Wash dishes, come home at seven o'clock at night. Well, once I read the reports, once we got the discovery package, I read right through what they were watching and seeing and the coolers that we'd unpack and the, they, you know, left the back of the truck open, Durango to air out overnight. Oh, it's funny that you say this because I've had so many people come in here with not that exact tale, but something very similar. And I don't know if it's human nature or whatever it is. Nobody ever thinks that they could really be watching them or if they are, like you said, what are they going to see? Hell, this is nothing. Or I, I get people – this is off the subject, but I tell everybody, all my clients, the same thing. If they're in jail and I'm talking to their family members, and I probably told Shorty this when I first met with her, everything that you're telling him is being recorded, right? They are listening. They are recording it, and I, will, I even go even farther. I'm like, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get a neat little DVD. Now I get them on. Now we get them online. I can get. I'm gonna get a neat little DVD. Neat little DVD. And it used to be a cassette, but now it's gonna be a DVD, and it's gonna have all the jail calls, and it's gonna have you talking to your loved one about everything, about the money, where the money's hidden, where to do this, where to do that, and all the stuff. And, and people think they're talking in code. And then they think they're talking and in they code. Can, they can decipher that. <laughs> people think they're calling did, on did, somebody did else's you hear, band. Did you hear our conversations? I don't remember. I don't probably. think so. Because I was going to wonder if you deciphered my codes. I I, oh, you I, did? No, I did. I did. I, There's I, always money in the lemonade stand. Right. <laughs> they didn't get one of my cars because they were confiscating all the cars. Yeah. And they couldn't get it started. All they had to do was hook up the battery. I had told Shorty, you need to go to the attorney's office. Just take Big Blue. I was like, I know it's got a flat tire, so there's a can of fix-a flat. Get just hook it up. Just get the can of fix-a flat. Go, hook up the. T- you just f- fill up the tire. It'll be fine. There was no flat tire, but there was a can of fix-a flat. Gotcha. And, gotcha. And okay. You can buy fix-a flat at like water beds and stuff. They have more stuff than water beds. Yeah. But if you would like to, you can go there and get you fix-a flat or can of pledge. Or all kinds of household goods that might be empty with a false bottom on them. Yeah, I've oh. seen it. So it was it was yeah. coming okay. down to it to where I told her just and but there was no flat tire. She should be able. But she didn't know that there was a a can. I mean, I. Well, I don't remember any can of fixed flat coming my way, but uh, no, no. 
And to know yeah. can to fix a flat. Yeah. Well, Steve, going back to your point, you take it one step further because not only are we saying you're being recorded on the jail calls, we say operate as if everything you're saying, I don't care if you're sitting on your back porch, operate as if everything you're saying is being recorded yeah, you're and being watched. watched right? Everything. Now, everything you say, unless you're talking to us in our office. And here's what's funny. No, people don't necessarily believe it. Or if they do believe it, they think, wow, I can just say this or I can just do that. I when I had that, when I had this small office and your code downstairs, pretty good. when I had a small office downstairs, this is when it hit me. And I've never been in your situation, Jared, but now I've represented enough people that were. This is when it hit me that the federal government is capable of this stuff. I had a call with a brand new client that had a similar situation, drug trafficking. Um, I don't remember how he was maybe even wrapped up in one of these, um, short north posse things. I can't even remember, but he called me. I had a long conversation with him. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to call the AUSA, who is the United States attorney that I think is working the case, one of these drug guys. I call him up. He goes, hey, Jeff. I'm like, hey. I was like, well, I'm calling about. He goes, I know who you're calling about. I just heard your entire call. Yeah, I was see, like, huh? That's interesting because they're not supposed to listen to those calls. Um, but it happened. they know. I mean, I've had guys who know. I think he, I think he had a legitimate wiretap for this in, in individual. Right, as soon as, as, soon as, lawyer, as, soon as the yeah. lawyer talk. It's supposed to go off the record. So that's sort of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're telling all now. Right? Yeah, we're telling all. I mean, but, but here's the thing. We have that conversation with people, and I think there's this human protection mode that people go into. Like, it can't be me. It's almost like denial. It is the head in the sand. It is It is this. And I'm not saying you necessarily because, look, your code's a good one. That, that's as good as any. And I've, I, not everybody has bad code. Most people do, though. Um, most of it's probably pretty bad. Most of it's bad. Like – you know, you got to get the thing about, uh, you know. All I said was, I know, I, you know, I would try and talk her through it. She was upset on the phone. Calm down. No, it's got a flat tire. Just get to fix the flat. It'll be taken care of. Yeah. And, and go for a drive. I don't know where she had to go, but yeah, she had to no. go somewhere. Well, people do all That's sorts of things. That's why we still have they, that car. They big bring blue. their loved one. I won't, I won't get rid of Big Blue. <laughs> yeah, you it, was, it was always there for us. <laughs> it was always there. But uh, there's this there's this denial that you experienced Months before, right? You got, you get tipped off that people have telescopes and cameras on you. And it's like, I would think looking back, I would say, yeah, we ought to pretty, we ought to suspend operations here and maybe get rid of all the evidence that we have in our house and maybe try a different thing or maybe do something else. But you thought, yeah, what are they going to see? Yeah. That's what I said. I was like, if you followed me, which if they did, I go to work every day, all day. And I was, I was like, they can't see nothing. Now, before that, a few months, I don't know if it was a year or four months, something like that. Before that, another guy we all knew, uh, his house got raided and, uh, he lived close in the same area as, uh, as a lot of the other grow houses. A lot of the grow houses were around the one that got raided. Now he wasn't, we all knew each other. We weren't really linked up yeah. as working together, but then all of a sudden he was picked up. His old lady was picked up and the word got out. And we had an EB. You get a call, like, let's go EB, emergency breakdown. And it was like this, shut it down, shut it down. And we shut down a number of grow houses, cleaned them up, took down what was in there, got rid of it, threw away plants, tore down lights, rented storage units, cleaned it all up. Then after a while, I don't even know if we were like a whole month. It was like, eh. Heat's off. Heat's off. (laughs) There's nothing going on. There's no fuzz. But anymore. in federal back, time, that's could be like eight months, a year. That could oh, be well, and that yeah. was the thing, you know. And then when you read in the discovery package, you know, we had two confidential sources, and they don't do very good code of hiding them. No, I've, with their confidential always. source number one, it's like, well, there were four people in that conversation. One of them didn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, what, one of them. That's hilarious. Hmm. And and I I. I'm I'm sure I know who who one is. I got a feeling about two and three. Yeah. But one, the guy that started it all, I definitely know who that was. Yeah. And they try to hide it, but there's no hiding it. You Whenever you read it, it yeah. it's, yeah. it's easy you to blur their out. name out. It, you, yeah. You, it's like we met yeah. at Walmart and yeah, the, the, the confidential informant said, and it's like, well, and, uh, I remember that. And so that was just very, very odd there because whenever you knew and you're like so then you realize it and you're like that whole time 
because they had somebody on the inside, on the close side. Of course inside. they did, right? Inside so they knew about and, EB. They knew and about they, all they knew about. They knew so much. They knew so much because it was just like documented. Yeah. And it was there. And, and the, you know, the feds are there. Everybody's human. But generally, the people who did your investigation do a pretty good job. I mean, they, they, they generally nail it down pretty good. And, and by the time it gets to us, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. They had enough evidence to go to the grand jury and it was very simple on that one. Right. That was done and done. Right. So everybody is, everybody's there. Um, I think the other thing, Steve, that people don't understand is, you know, they think if they just get rid of that stuff then nothing's going to happen. No, a couple, a couple guys dropped out. There's a couple guys that were, that were involved in it that whenever we did that, that breakdown and they were done. And did they, they escape detection completely? They, they never got, they, they, they were done. And they just, these are, these are guys I've known for a long time and they just went back there. They were done with it. And one gentleman though, he was doing well. He sat at the house, he washed everything, took care of everything really well, took care of the girls, took care of the babies. And he played online poker and he would have three computers in a room. <laughs> and that guy was making, and that's what he, whenever he stopped growing, he was like, yeah, I'm just going to play online poker. I, I, have, I know a guy like that. He's like, he just literally making, make money. That's, that's their income. That's yeah. their income. I had a guy yeah. in college. It was just, Doing that, and I was, I was like, "What kind of money are you making?" Yes, yeah. insane. Yeah. Pro I mean, poker players, yeah. they were online and yeah. pro. And then he would get to where he knows this, and he would play. Like I said, he had three computers. He was playing five games at a time. You know, That's like in the movie. He's, he's, just, he's, just he's click, tending click, 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 to click. marijuana plants. Oh, he's <laughs> like yeah. the three. <laughs> Although I would come over, I'm like, "You're gonna take a shower, man. You know, clean up around here. This right. is looking Thanks. horrible." But what did he, everything did he in the just order food in? Good. Like, did he leave? Or? Oh, he ate cereal, man. Dude loves cereal. <laughs> Look, he's and getting he, high eating he, Fruit Loops. You know, <laughs> that was right. that was the game. Right. Pajamas, Fruit Loops, online poker. All right. And I'm you know, clipping you plants. Get, yeah. Did you get everything watered down there? Well, let me finish up these games and I'll like, get on it. This stuff needs it, a, it needs the agua. Well, and on that, you know, I remember one year we had a, just a big ice storm and the power went out. Power went out. And generators, you need generators because you've got to have some, that one right there. We needed it. I remember I hooked my, I, the first thing I could find was to hook up to your vehicle. You can get an adapter. So I left a blazer that I had running outside of his truck for a whole day because the basement was flooding. Ice storm coming through, plenty of water, no sump pump. Uh, so hmm. the basement's just pumping up. You get plants floating around. We got a harvest that you got to protect. Can't have mold start. Can't have this. And now we're on the hunt for, generators i remember we had to drive down to cincinnati because all in all in total i think we had to buy like 15 different generators oh my god that's quite an investment that is a huge investment i mean for one to run the kind of stuff you're running i mean you're 600 bucks anyway probably each one each one and down to any of them that we could find does one generator do the job or you got to put a couple well it depends on how big it is sometimes you have to have a couple those ones we got up down cincinnati are pretty small and if nothing else you just want to keep things alive yeah. Are you having trouble you finding them just because everybody's going everybody's to buy a generator? Yeah. Buy yeah. yeah. You got to have the whole house generator. You got to have the, the natural gas one that kicks on. It yeah, does the, in-laws it does the thing. hooked up one of those bad boys. But, uh, so it's funny that the client perspective of this is even before they even come in, it's like very few people come in here and say they're surprised that they got caught. Be, because by the time they got caught, they can look back to like that moment where you look back to and say, "Out the window, today's the day." They were watching us with telescopes two months ago. I was told, and you were told, and you could have just walked away, right? You could have just walked away. Then, that, then it, it's like, look at it. I can't tell anybody. We, we run into this as lawyers all the time. We have these pesky ethics rules, right, and, and things that we're supposed to do. So. If somebody comes into us and says, what do I do? I got to be cautious, right? If you came in and said, look, they're watching me. What should I do? I would say, stop committing crimes, <laughs> right? Stop. Now people come in all the time and say, how do I not get caught? And I was like, listen, I can't help you not get caught because now I'm committing crimes with you. That's not why you hire a lawyer. You go find your buddies for that. But if you want, if you want my advice, you have to stop committing crimes. And it's such a simple bit of advice, but rarely do people take it. Well, that's what I was wondering, Jared. So to ask you, you know, they're probably watching you. Cause why would somebody come up and say that? D- is it, is it kind of a rush a little bit? Is it part of the adrenaline you were talking about driving those cars? Not and- the good adrenaline. 
or it do was, you feel there was like... a rush there was adrenaline there but it was it was it was it was it was more of a worry and you mentioned before that goodfellas was one of your movies it's like you're kind of you're kind of there now. It's weird. You, you sort of idolize these people in these movies and this, man, that guy's cool. That guy's got it. He's a, he's a gangster, man. And now here you are in real life standing in your driveway wondering, huh, there's that truck you're yeah, saying about. Yeah, it's yeah, like, the oh, there's people flying over. Well, it's like, what in the world? And you would get paranoia in that. And if we dated back to where whenever I was working for Bill, uh, I wouldn't. I was doing outdoor. Now, Bill is the guy. What's, what's Bill going? Owen. He's, he's the kingpin. He's the kingpin he's, that he unfortunately king. passed away. Yeah. He's the guy that you're you're sitting in this warehouse. He, he taught oh, me that's when you had that moment. Doing a midnight EB. Yes. Like, oh, man. Yes. I'm learning the terms. That's midnight it. EB. EB. Emergency breakdown. And so he has me staying at one of his houses. And it's just loaded up. Lights everywhere. And you have to sleep. And... He, you have to sleep there. You're living in this house and you hear helicopters, you hear dry. There's a, a, yeah. a big part of paranoia and it's the fear. And it's, and it's it, to, at one point somebody stops and is like, I can't handle that. Or you forget about it. You just get used to, that becomes your new that's sort of just, That's it. It's like, you know, big deal. And okay. then once you forget about that, then and you calculate that over, years you know over 14 years it's kind of like well i can so i get pulled over in about 2001 once again i got about 36 plants in the trunk of my car when i get pulled over and i got pulled over because my license plate was expired oh right this is like okay this is like uh like this is not that i know anything about it but this is like dope dealing 101 right I didn't walk around your car, check your signals. Yeah. I mean, horrible, horrible move. And then he gets my ID and he looks it and he, he asked my name and he asked my brother's name. And I said, that's not me. That's my brother. My brother had just had his own situation. So he was like this, you know, your tags expired. And, uh, I've been looking for your brother and, uh, mind if we search your car? I said, no, you don't need to search my car. There'll be no need for that. And let us search the car. No, I'm not going to search the car. You know, a dog's going to come in here and tear everything up. There's nothing in here. Just just show it to us. I said, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to. You're, you're gonna have <laughs> I to, love it. I love you're going to have, have to do the work. You're going to have to do the work. I ain't doing yeah. your job. I was like, go get the dog. And all the while, the car. your asshole's puckered, probably tighter than puckered, a drum, right? Puckered. I mean, inside of the car, we've got dry bud. We've got our backpacks. Now in the trunk, it's, it's, it's full of plants. So they put me and the gentleman I was with, cause there was another guy. We were going out to do some work. We were going out to put these in the ground. And so they put us both in the same cruiser, even told us everything in here is being recorded. So you know, we got all your conversations. So they're set, we're sitting back there. That's and no, actually they had to separate. I'll tell you when they put us together. That's right. They had him in one car with me in another. I'm right behind my car. They bring the dog. The dog starts going crazy. The rear of the car sits down. Imagine that. And they start looking at the tire. And they're hitting the tire. I'm like, do you think I got it's in the tires? Yeah. And then they had already cleared out the inside of the car. They laid everything out of the trunk. Then I see the cop. I see him picking up everything that he'd taken out off the trunk. I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. He's about to open the trunk. He gets my key. Chrysler Concorde. That's what it was. Nice green Chrysler Concorde. Popped open the trunk and then leaves because they were pressed down. Boy, it's like uh, the five finger hands are waving. It's there. I'm like, oh, here we go. So then they're high five and jumping around, hugging the dog, giving the dog the the bone and and, the treat. And so they're pulling them out. And we're off 23 uh, up north there. There's a a a cemetery. Right yeah. near the orange road area there. That's yeah. where we're, we're that's, that's, where that's, okay. that's where they got me. And so they're pulling the plants out. The next thing you know is when they put us both in the same car. And I look over and I tap, tap him on his foot. Cause we're both in handcuffs now. Well, that was it too. As soon as the, I wasn't handcuffed, I was in the back of the car. When they got the plants, they come and open the door. I step out, head down, hands behind my back. And they were like this. He knows the routine. <laughs> 
I was like this. I watch television. <laughs> right. And so then the covers put it in. That's when they told us it's being recorded. I tap him in his foot. I said, I'm sorry. Apologize, man. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I know I didn't tell you that I was there. I know you knew nothing about it. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I picked you up and you were in my car. I was just giving you a ride. I'm sorry that that was there. So you're doing a solid for your buddy. Doing a solid for him. Ooh. And, uh, and so, but then again, I was also doing a solid for me. So that way I knew the story that was being told. Mm. So then they take us down to Delaware. Now they put us both in separate. They put me in a holding cell. They go through. Next thing you know, now they want to talk to me. Now they pull me in the room. And now they're like, we know you did it. We know this. And and where did you get it? And they wanted more information. They're like, well, we found dry, dry butt in there. Why don't you wear a wire? We can put it in a cap and everything like that. They wanted me to go by. I was like, that put me the epitome of everything that, that nope. That that make me you. I'm like, and I ain't, I ain't doing that. <laughs> now that now that's a that's a. And so and they, they keep pounding. Where's it at? Where's it from? And then after, I mean, they were hounding me, and I wasn't saying nothing. They're like, well, your buddy already told us the whole deal, where you were going and where it came from. We're just trying to get it from you. BS. And I was like, this. Well, yeah, I know he didn't say that. Well, what do you think he said? I said, I don't think he said anything. No, like, why do you think that? He doesn't talk much. <laughs> he, these one liners. And, <laughs> and he was like, I was like, I was giving him a ride. I was giving him a ride to work. He's like, where did you? Uh, and then after a while, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you where I got them. I'll tell you where the plants came from. Now, they came from a house that was loaded, loaded. That was the house I was staying in. After a while, there's kind of in the organization, I got into this house to run it, and I keep up on the maintenance, water, trim, take care of the plants. He's paying all the bills, everything on that. I get 10% of the harvest for living in the house, taking care of the house. Bill was always smart when he got somebody to live in the house. He wanted them to have a job. He didn't want a junkie in there. He wanted somebody that was doing nine to five. So the car goes in, car goes out. He's on a schedule. Things are rolling well there. You're taking care of the house. You're cutting the grass, plant some flowers, make it looked lived in. Hmm. Even though I could only live in the living room because the basement and bedrooms all have, they're all grow rooms. And Hmm. he would go to the extreme and make me nervous. So, I'm like, I'll tell you where the marijuana came from. I said, y'all know High Banks Park? They're like, yeah, I know High Banks Park. Now, I used to run. And growing outdoor marijuana and this industry is great physically. It's it's good for you. And I would run. And I would run that area. There's this gravel path that goes down around this corner. There's this old sycamore tree leaned over. And I don't know if it was sycamore. I called it sycamore. I don't know what kind of tree it was. Probably ash. And I used to run that path. So I told him, I said, I was out there fly fishing. I was out there and waded up. I was like, where that sycamore leans over the water on that corner of the gravel. You wade out till it gets about waist deep. And I saw this trail. And that trail looked bigger than a deer. I was like, like foot. So I was like, what's over there? So I walk over there. I walk around the corner and there was about a hundred, if not more plants, just all in pots sitting there. So I just grabbed them and took them. <laughs> and they're like, "Why did you only take that that amount?" I was like, "Did you see the trunk of my yeah. car? I couldn't, Boing. I couldn't fit anymore in the trunk of my car." Uh. And so they're the next thing they're, they're asking me these questions, and I told them where it was at, and then they put me in a cell. Next thing I know, they come up, give me my shoes, give me everything back, and let me let me leave. And that was it. And that was it. Well, then, so then I walk out front. Of, of of the J- Delaware County Jail out there. Now, they took my car. They impounded that. Yeah. I've got no ride. I walk outside and stand in the parking lot. It's the dude. And I'm like, they let you go too, dude? He's like, they let you go? I was like, yeah, man. And it's Route 42, I do believe, is right there. Yeah. I was yeah. like this. I was right like, let's, let's start walking. Let's go. <laughs> now, they didn't give me my cash back. This is, I don't think I had a cell phone. I know I didn't have a cell phone at this point in time in my life. I think I had a pager. And so we walked down to stop 42, that bar right yeah, there, yeah. walk into that bar, order a couple drinks and tell her we don't have any money. We just got out of jail, but somebody's going to come get us and we'll pay you. She was like, 
You're not the first ones to do that. <laughs> there <laughs> so, you go, sir. Here you here go. You go. Yeah. And so we sit down, we're having a drink, make the call. And uh it was shorty. I had just started dating her. Oh, and literally wow. I just kind of started like dating honey? her. Honey? Yeah. And uh so she came, picked us up, paid the bar tab. Do you remember what the tab was? And uh do not remember what the tab was. Yeah. I, the tab was probably three gym beams and three cores lights. Yeah. Whatever that math is yeah. there in 2001. And so then we get back. So now I'm like, okay, what happens? The next day I get a phone call. Doug. Doug was, I don't know if I just dropped his name, but Doug called me. And he's like, hey, Jared, I'm out here right now with the, with the park ranger. I want you to talk to him. And they're out there. And it's a July day, hot, hot July day. <laughs> And they're out there on a goose chase. And he's like, where were you talking? I was like, you know, where the and he's like, <laughs> and then, and I start talking about this leaning over tree. Now I knew I had a vision. I was sending them someplace because I used to go to that park to run. So I would send them on this place. He's like, where the, uh, yep, where that gravel is. He's like, well, we're, I'm going to let you talk back to, to Doug. <laughs> and then Doug's like, Hey, we're having difficulty finding these plants. <laughs> He was like, "You want? To, uh, why don't you come down here and show us where they're at?" I said, "Nah, I ain't gonna be able to do that." Remember and that part again about me not doing your job? Yeah, I was like, ah, "I'm not <laughs> yeah, gonna be able to do that." He's like, "No, we'll just send somebody to get you." I was like, "Nah." I was like, "We're good. Um, have a good day." Now at this point in time, I had a friend that was I was able to use his condo as my mailing address. Because I was living in grow houses, but I needed my mail to go somewhere and everything to go somewhere. So it all went to his house. He knew what I was doing, what was going on, but that was, that's where I lived. That's where my cars were registered to. That's where everything went. So if you wanted to find me, you'd go to this condo that I would maybe there hanging out once, you know, having a beer, but was never there, did not live there. So they took my car. So I had to buy a blazer. 1985 <laughs> K5 Blazer, Blazer man, Blazer. 454. So they and just it, kept the car? They kept the car. Now, about, I don't know if it's a year and a half, two years go down the road, and I get a letter in the mail. And it's like, if you would like your car, please come get your car. Wow. You know, we got it impound like this. How nice. I was like, well, I thought they were keeping that forever. Hey, dude, give me a ride down the police <laughs> to get it back. <laughs> Don't get your car back. Um, so <laughs> I go down there and I remember seeing old Doug as I was getting the signing the paperwork, had to bring a jump box, jumped it. They had in their impound lot, been sitting there, fired the thing up, drive it out of there. Still with expired tags. Cause remember, <laughs> yeah, I got pulled over. Now. Well, really they were expired when they got it. <laughs> They're expired now. Yeah. And so we roll on out. But they so let I'm you like, drive it out. That's what's let, me, let me drive it out. Yeah. And I'm out of here. Well, I mean, about, the registration, everything's expired. Yeah, about a, yeah, everything's expired. Yeah. About a week later, my buddy calls me. Hey, Jared, uh, a police officer stopped by here looking for you. Um, I've got his card. And I was like, all right, here, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So I call him, and he was like, I'm surprised you called me right back. I was like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, well, we're going to indict you. Um, cultivation and drug trafficking. I wish I could remember my attorney's name. I still have his card. I got it through a friend up there in Delaware, and he he did me right. So I go sit with him, and I remember I, I was like, I don't want to do any jail time. He was like, jail time? You had a bowl with you. You could lose your license. And so now I don't know exactly how he played this, but this is what I remember, is that we were going through their evidence list, and they had 36 marijuana plants. They had shovel. They had water jug that but then i saw there they had fertilizer and topsoil and i was like i didn't have this i didn't have this in my car and i was like i know everything i had in there i said i had the plants i had i had the bug spray i had the bug spray yeah i can imagine i had a hat that had a net that that would drop over oh really oh those horse flies get out of the woods there you're digging holes you're planting them oh get you mosquitoes so i was like i didn't have these items so he goes through, does whatever he does, and he gets the evidence suppressed because they've falsified a number bit of the evidence. So he said, wow. we're going to go in huh. here and you're going to plead not guilty. And if they want to, then we're going to go to trial because they've got no evidence. 
So we went in there. Uh, I pled not guilty. Then he goes and sits down with the prosecutor, and I pled to – it's a change where it's not totally not guilty, but it's like – No contest. No contest maybe or BF something, I think. It, it was something. It wasn't the no contest. or It was – there's another term. Bond, bond forfeiture. Bond forfeiture. Yeah, bond you forfeiture. It, yeah. yeah. Bond forfeiture. So it was like $450. Which came into play later at your sentencing because that showed yes, up on the PSI. It did. We were arguing about – And I got asked questions about – Tell us about time you got pulled over those plants in Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it did. It all came back up. It all up. came back up. Yeah. But here was the thing that is insane on that. I got pulled over. They took my car. I don't know exactly what's going on. I didn't even get an attorney then. You know what I did? I bought another truck. You just replaced it. Right? I just what got another truck. Game on. This one's better because I'll be able to haul more dirt in it. It's it. This 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 is this is better. Thirty five plants was a drop in the bucket. And now, once again, I had that number because I think I always was under the understanding the rules that I could look up and see that over forty was a higher charge. So I always wanted to keep Maybe. it under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could have been at that time. I don't know. Who I knows? could have been right or look, wrong. I'm just a criminal defense lawyer. How would I know? <laughs> but yeah. I always yeah. kept it under forty plants when I drove them around. It's usually way. Well, not whenever we had the big U haul trucks. I mean sometimes that's you gotta do that, but whenever we were doing outdoor. Yeah. So you'd have to Was go. that productive outdoor? Like does it get ransacked or Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I I'd said another cast that you lose about fifty percent of what you put out right. outdoor. And there's different ways to do outdoor. You know, a great way to do it is to go out in the fall and dig your holes then. Mm. Get chicken wire, mash it around the circle, and push it down the top. Then you kind of cover it up. That way you're not out there because you don't want trails. You want to cover your trail. If you're dragging shovels and things out there, the cornfields are the easiest. Then you got to do in sessions too to where we got these rucksacks, and you got about 125, 140 pounds of dirt that you need to fill that hole with to put, to put the plants in. So you might want to take another night where you put that rucksack on because it's middle under the shade of darkness Mm. and you hike out and fill the holes with dirt, put extra dirt on the side. Then you come back with the plants so you can put those in the rucksacks so then you can plant them in there. You're going to have deer that are going to eat some. You're going to have, you know, maybe a storm or a branch falls on them or there's things, you know, where somebody's going to find them and there's things on that nature that you have to account for so always think about you can get about half Mm. then i had good spots that the urban sprawl hit that the growth of communities turned what used to be country or outside of a field into Mm. the goat right what used Mm. to be a bar and grill yeah what used to be an awesome grow spot is now a parking lot for the goat we we i had a house there off thompson road behind and and I, a couple years did well, and then one time was going out about time to take them down, and we found a whole area that they've been stolen. So we went out there with, and dug them up, and we put them into these back of these sacks. Now these plants were probably about oh five and a half foot tall, wow. uh, width big as this table here. So about but once you packed them down into those sacks, and we were digging them up and wrapping the bases with with, with towels and and, and sheets putting them in the back sacks, running them up to my garage because we had to save what was there. So, and I could only save as many until the sun came up because I was walking across the field. And after a while, you're going to get caught. So we didn't save all the plants. We had a good number of them and put them into trash cans. You got to go buy trash cans, got to fill them full of dirt, put them in the trash cans. Then we had to load them up in a truck and take them over to Sunbury mm. to put them out in the, into a, to another buddy's place. I didn't realize they're so durable because you're cramming a five foot plant into a rucksack. Yeah, and it would it wouldn't bust the. I mean, yeah, well, some would break. Yeah, but yeah, you know, think of the work. Oh man, it's, it's like what heavy you're describing duty. here is labor. It's labor. I mean, it's just hard ass. That's why you said it's healthy for you. It's I like, was yeah, in I'm, I was in great shape. Yeah, you were yeah. basically a midnight landscaper. Yes. For I, weed. I like that. Midnight landscaper. The midnight landscaper. Yeah. Landscaping. We can talk about that in the growing industry. So I had a friend that I had had a couple houses with, and he's got a couple houses. And uh, they had hired a – because uh, you got to maintain. you got to look nice. He had hired a land, lawn care company, 
Well, here's the thing. At certain points in times, you can smell what's going on in that house. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So if I got a house full of plants, I mean, look, I've had a case before where I had to bring, we were down in Fairfield County. The judge made the prosecutor bring in like eight, 900 pounds of weed in bags into a courtroom. And it got so bad that I couldn't, it was almost hard for me to be, I'm allergic to it or something. I mean, my eyes were just pouring water. I was sneezing. I mean, I, I had a difficult, I was starting to really seize up and some of the jurors were too. I mean, it was, it was awful. I can't imagine. That, that is house. what my clothes smell like. Leather, belts, shoes, absorb that aroma yeah. to where when you go out, I mean, I've been out before too, I just smell it. And then I realized it was, it was my belt or I realized it was my sandals. I could, you just would absorb it. Yeah. And so his window got kicked in by the landscape company. They stole a bunch of plants. And that's when I realized there that I should buy a trailer and a skid mower and weed eater. And I should go ahead and start a landscaping business and use only marijuana growing customers. Once again, I may not have been involved in that house, but I've been in the industry long enough to where I know growers and they got a house. Then I start calling them and be like, Hey, who's taking care of your lawn? You want me to cut it? Because they would invite <laughs> me awesome. over and I would get paid to help them trim their plants. So I'd know where it's at. Once again, here I go loading up the truck. I go up there, unload it, cut the grass. They pay cash, you know, and I set up accounts where I had a number of houses that I did landscaping on during the day. Well, not landscaping. I weed-eated. I mowed the grass. Yeah, I mean, lawn services. But yeah. lawn service, but only to grow houses. That's awesome. So it, because the danger is the more outside – it's got to get done. Nobody wants to do it. They don't have yeah. time or they don't want to do it themselves. It's got to get done. So why not hire a – And if they paid a stranger 40 they would gladly pay me 100 Right, because you're not going to steal their stuff. Mm. Yeah. And there's no yeah. risk. And then, too, it was like it – it became a business. So, you know, back to sort of the client experience, because we started there, where you were tipped off. I mean, I, that's, there couldn't be, there's no other way to describe it. You were tipped off. They were on to you. The feds were on to you. Before they're kicking in your door, you're tipped off. But then you've just described this, this years of experience beforehand. So, you know what happens? You become conditioned to it. Oh, you, sure. You just, it's like. What are they going to find? What are they going to get? I remember I had 36 plants in the trunk of my car. <laughs> Nothing. Right. So you lived this whole life before your tip off that, man, nothing ever happened. Yeah, you just you just get conditioned to it. You've been doing this. You've been doing, and you said like you get you learn to accept a certain level of anxiety and stress, which really would tell the average Joe, hey, back off, man. You're stressed the hell out. You shouldn't be doing this. Don't do it. It's that little that devil on your shoulder saying stop, or the angel saying stop. The devil saying fuck it. Just keep just keep just rocking and rolling, man. They ain't gonna catch you. Nothing's happened yet. Nothing's happened yet, right? I, I mean, even if it's happened, you get out of it. I remember my brother saying that. I haven't been in a wreck yet. And I was like, listen, you still drive freaking crazy, right? And it's like, I hear it all the time. You know, it's like, you're still driving like a maniac just because it hasn't happened yet. It doesn't mean it won't. But there's so many people that we talk to from the client perspective that just ignore just obvious things. And, I, and now you're talking about this. It's like, because you just got so used to it. And, and I had said that when we were talking, when we first experienced it, and, and I said, wasn't too long ago I had nothing in my house. And you said that wouldn't have mattered. I was like, what do you mean? How would that would have not mattered? Well, I learned that whenever I learned about conspiracy. When I learned that I was getting charged with not only what was in my house, but what was in other people's houses, I was getting charged for, I accepted the charge. My partner, they didn't have a search warrant for his house, my barbecue partner, old Brad. And uh, they see old Brad. <laughs> Brad. And uh, he's like, yeah, you can go in my house where he wanted. He, I, I, he got plants and he did. He got them from me. I, I gave them to him and he was growing. Not a big operation, but he had a small personal operation going. He let them in. They confiscated 25 plants. And I remember that we had to write a statement saying that those were mine. And I was making him do that. Because I was afraid about the business to where it's like, we both can't go down. I don't know why he let him in his house. So it was like, yeah, those were mine. Man. So now I'm covering for everybody. So, so now they add 25 more plants onto, onto my case, which when I was looking at it and looking at the numbers and once you see the breakdowns 
of of where you go, it it really really doesn't matter. Anyway, really right? doesn't like, matter. Just tack it on. I'll take it. Right. It's like it, one more thing. There is a point where it breaks the camel's back, but it's like you know twenty five more in the in this in the context of what your case was. It really was insignificant. But what you're talking about is you you come in and talk to me, and I said, look. You're like, look, if they just come in two days ago, we would have had this. Well, it, it makes their case better if they have whatever they have in your house because then it's an easier case for them to make. For sure. You're just, you just got it. You got your, you're caught with your proverbial pecker out, right? You're stuck. Um, but they can still make that, that case based on the conspiracy. And here's what gets even worse in the federalities. That's what we were getting at earlier. They, they have a, they have this crazy, they love history, right? They're all history buffs. buffs. They're yeah. history buffs. <laughs> And everybody's saying, what the hell does that have to do? Well, they make historical cases. And I've had cases where, you know, I'm sitting there talking to a U.S. I remember when I first learned this as a young lawyer. They're like, oh, we're going to build an historical case. Like, oh, yeah? I had no idea what the hell they're Yeah, doing. right. No, you're not. So I come back. I talk to me. So I'm doing it. I was like, what? No, historical case? And he just sort of chuckles. It's like, yeah, they're, they got somebody who has talked about how many shipments have been made over the last decade. And they're going to accept that person's word. And build that into the, just bake it into the conspiracy, basically. So now they've got this historical case. I've also had cases, and they get charged for all that conduct. And it's like, huh, that relevant conduct just tripled, you know, or quadrupled or times 10. And then you get cases where the first, I remember the first time this happened to me where they were like, well, we're just going to convert the money to drugs. And I'm silent thinking, hmm, how's that work? How do you convert money to drugs? Well, they were selling it at whatever a pound. And uh, they had X number, $100,000. So we're just going to do some division and turn that into marijuana and then use that for relevant conduct and come up with it. I mean, so what, what we're really saying here is you don't have to be caught with anything. No. Now, people come on all the time. They're like, well, they didn't even catch me with anything. It's like, well, yeah, but Billy's saying you drove a U-Haul truck with 150 plants or whatever, however much you can right. find in one of those and things. And they start pulling. It's like you might as well have got caught with it. And then they start pulling like your records and that. Oh, see, you, and then you connect it up. Yeah, and that was what they brought yeah. together. They brought yeah. together there. They were like in 2001, we got your 36 plants. We got you here today. So we're assuming you never stopped. So we're going to go ahead and do some math, math calculation there to where we're going to say you did this much in this many years. Right. And we're sitting there thinking, and now here's the rub though. And <sighs> that's where you start thinking. You're like, that's, that's when we come back to the drive homes. When yeah. You got that information and then it's like things just got worse. It's like the sixth sense. Remember that movie where uh, Bruce Willis at the end, he realizes that he's dead and then there's all these sort of flashbacks. You know, it's like all this stuff is coming right. to him and he's like, oh shit, I am dead. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it is me. I'm there. They're all cold because I'm in the room. And it's like when you, when we're, when as lawyers, when we drop that on people, I can just see this sort of ashen shock come over them that they're just like, oh. Now, half the people, I don't even say half, a lot of people will bail. They'll just say, I don't believe you, or we don't buy it, I'm going somewhere else, or screw you. And, you know, but we've never, Jeff, I mean, you've seen me for years now. I never candy coat it. You can't. But I, mean, I also, I don't, I don't scare people when I don't need to either. It's like I don't add to it to sell them, and I don't candy coat it to make them feel better. You would start, you know, you, you didn't candy coat it, and then you would bring me back by being like, but wait. There's more. There's yeah. more. There, there's, there's something we can work with here, but I just want you to be aware that this has been brought to the table now. So this is something else that we have to deal with. Right. And, and that leads to his disdain for driving downtown. <laughs> so you're, you're leaving. You, it's like I can just imagine driving home from the, this office thinking this place is – I mean, I don't even know if you would call it a sanctuary. It's like the, you go get really bad news, like a cancer clinic, right? You go get really bad news. You get your chemo and say the cancer's back and then you got to drive home. I mean, it's like – I can see it. it that's well, and that's the, horrible. The federal system is so inconsistent. So it's like you're probably thinking, well, I could maybe get probation – Maybe get 10 years, maybe get 20 years, maybe get three years. Maybe it's just your head is because we can't really determine. We know what maybe where they're at, but maybe they haven't calculated the numbers yet as far as where he falls. You and it's still being investigated. You know until right. the gavel drops. And that's why you yeah. said even if I was going to get 10, I'd rather just know because then I can start preparing myself. Yeah. Yeah. You would just want to know. Yeah. That's it. You know, do, do I need to sell everything now? How is a. What is my life going to be when I get out? I had to 
figure out a way to set things up because things continued and continued to not look that good. Yeah. And that's, it's, we're back to that unknown, right? Where you have no idea what's going on. That creates the most, I always tell people, look for the, you're in my office on a drunk driving case. You called me on Saturday. I'm meeting you on Sunday morning. I said, right now, I'll look him in the eye. I say, right now, it's as shitty as it gets for you, man. You feel horrible. You have no idea what's going on. Things are awful. Everybody's telling you a hundred different things and you're not sure if you should have taken the test or did take the test or would have or could have or should have. What should I have done? And then as soon as they sit down with me, they feel a little bit better because now they at least know something. They've at least taken a step in that direction, but it's analogous for everything. So that's the hard part. And then there's like this roller coaster ride. I watch people go on as the case progresses. Like you get closer to a court date, anxiety, anxiety. All right. The court date passed. I can drop down a little bit. Yeah. And in the federal context, like you had to deal with, it's a year of up yeah. and down. Well, yeah, over a year. I send people to, I send people to counselors now. Yeah. I do because yeah. it is so difficult. Can you think of a time in your life when you've been at that unknown? Yeah. Losing your mind. The only thing I can think that would even compare to you for one day is when I had my stroke because I had an MRI. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, they came in, you know, all of them crowd in and you're, they're all looking at you and saying, you're way too young for this, but here's what's happened to you. And that's why your speech is affected. That's why your body's affected. And I remember sitting there through the night, you came and saw me. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting there through the night. I remember the nurse rubbing like my legs and my shoulders because I was shaking. Like after I got the news, I was, I was like, I'm going to die. And they're like, well, this is, this was, this was the part. This is the ride home for me. You know, when you're on your bike, when they said, well, the specialist that we need to look at this, he's in here at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever. And you know, it's 10 o'clock at night at that point. It's like, we got your MRI done, but the specialist comes see you in the morning. It's like, is he going to tell me well, brain cancer? Is he going to tell me? I remember you looked at me and you said, can we get like a wet read or something? Right. Like, it's like, why can't we I mean? figure this it's out like, now? But that's the only thing I could maybe say that is, is that, is that ride that you had home. It's just like, I could die. I could live. I just got married. I'm young. It's like, I don't know if my brain's bleeding. I don't know if I, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, that's the only thing that I can think that would maybe be analogous to what you've got going on. And, and that was only for one day. Then to top that you are on pretrial. So if I mess up, if I run a stop sign, I could set in jail yeah. that year and a half. So then you also have that whole thing of really looking over your shoulder and they are yeah. watching you. They're watching you weekly. You have to go down. You have to report. You have to show them your paychecks. You have to go through everything that you do to where what I did was work home, work mm. home. Mm. Didn't want to go anywhere else. Didn't and it want gets. To, didn't want to put myself in a risk of bumping into somebody on on a street corner. Just 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 did not. So then you kind of you, you hold yourself down. You you don't want to do anything. Your barbecue struggle. No, and well, no, the barbecue really didn't struggle. Was that an escape? Um, there it it, it was, but now you have to remember that. There's a lot of anxiety and things going on with my b partner. Um, now, once again, he can't get very mad at me like, he was growing weed. It's like, you were growing weed. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so there was no way to really, which he did. And then you become, which I told before from the napkins and the, the marijuana you can hand out to bartenders and people, and they pat you on the back and hug you and big smiles when you walked in. Now you go out and, uh, boy, you're nobody mm. you, that you have, you, you've, you've got the, you've got the disease. People mm. are not talking to you. They are running from you. Yeah. You walk into a room, no eye contact. They turn their heads. They're going. That's like the yeah. end of Goodfellas. Remember uh, that scene when he's like, he, he turns to the camera at the very end. He's getting his paper off the lawn. He's like, I'm just an average Joe, man. Yeah. This sucks. You know. Well, it, I was worse than an average Joe. I was, uh, yeah, that was, you were that, still in it, right? Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to talk to you. It hasn't come down. Nobody, they, they, they want nothing to do with you where mm. they wanted everything to do with you before your phone wouldn't stop ringing. They wanted to get together. Now, whether you do see, you do find your real true friends, sure. you do find, yeah. you know, I mean, more eyes in your family and you do find new friends, you know? So, and then you, if you run into somebody, they're going to talk to you. They're going to bring it up. They're going to want It yeah. was out and about in the community and on the news. 
So they're coming to you on that. Then you've got people that looked up to you or liked what you did, and they don't agree with what you got in trouble for, and they feel let down. Mm. And that's when that feels bad. Yeah. When they look at you and just give that shake of head of shame. Like, yeah. And they feel rused. Yeah. They mm. feel like you're a scam artist. Yeah, you tricked me. You tricked me. Mm-hmm. You scammed me that whole time. I thought you were such a good person, but you're not. Yeah. And so then that compiles on you. And then, you know, they, they allowed me to drink. And that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. nothing makes you feel better. And when you're depressed, and depressed. big old bottle yeah. of booze, a yeah. big old bottle of gin. Boy, do right? you really start thinking straight then? Mm. Yeah, it takes away all the stress, right? It until take, it doesn't. Oh boy, until it doesn't until yeah. you just until you want to cry. And so there is, you know that 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 is there, and that mm. was that was a, a tough part. Well, you went from smoking weed, like as oh. a as a as a religion. I didn't do it all the time, like when I was sleeping. Yeah, so yeah. Like, <laughs> that was, I was not. Like you didn't have the vaporizer right? I didn't have the CPAC weed mask on. I just I did not have that. Other than that. Right. So, yeah. So you and, go from that to And that, that goes, you, you back that up for years. Before I, I mean, for years I did. And it was just a daily routine. That was a crutch that was taken away. And I can't, look, everybody say, look, is weed like alcohol? No, but they are both drugs. And you get used to having it. And when you don't, it could be going for a run every day. You get used to doing it. When you don't, your body adjusts and you gain weight, right? It's like it, it, there's a yin and a yang back to that. We'll bring it right back home. There's this yin and a yang to it that you take that off the table, all of a sudden you're out of balance. And you are left with that, leaving the lawyer's office with that. Just it, it is probably just a constant out of balance feeling. And as soon as you, you think you, you walk in it, hoping you're going to feel better, and you walk out feeling the exact same. And that, that gets you too. Cause you're like, I really was hoping for something. I was hoping for something. Yeah. And you know, finally you get the answer. You get the answer. You, so, you, you finally get it. But the unknown is still out there. And we're going to leave it out there right now on here on lawyer talk. So just like you didn't know, nobody else knows yet the end of the Blinsky Chronicles, but uh, we'll get there. Uh, this is lawyer talk off the record but on the air. Till now.